Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and I am really excited today to welcome Christy Wright to the podcast. Christy is part of the Ramsey Solutions team. She's a well-known speaker, author, and host of the Christy Wright Show. And today we get to talk about two books, not just one, but um, we're going to focus the first part of our time on um, Take Back Your Time, The Guilt-Free Guide to Life Balance, which is just, I'm excited to get into this. It's a great book um, for everyone. Uh, no matter who you are, you're going to benefit from it. And then living true 40 days to get back to you, which is a devotional that she also has that has come out. Um, so Christy, thank you so much for taking time to join us here on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited about this. Me too. And before we get into the good stuff, we like to ask our guests, what is your favorite prayer closet? Where do you go to feel close to God? I'm an outdoors person. So we have a deck and I have a, um, like this really comfortable teal chair out there that kind of rocks. And, um, so if I go outside, sometimes my kids won't notice and I can just have a moment outside in the morning with some coffee. And then I just love the, the feel and sound of nature. So probably my deck. That was my other question, tea or coffee? Cause it, there seemed to, you know, most people fall into one camp or the other. And I was just curious if you're a tea girl or a coffee girl, sounds like uh, coffee. Uh, yeah, I like both. I'll have tea every now and then, but I like coffee. Yeah. I like coffee more. Well, let's get into your book. So we're going to talk about take back your time first, which man, I just love that book. Um, it, it was just, uh, had, had a lot of aha moments for me and I was just wondering, so this is a book about time management, about balance in life coming from someone who is a career person. I mean, you, you are no stranger to being the mom, the wife, the career woman, you, it's not like you don't have a lot on your plate, but this is kind of like, um, you know, keys to balance, but with a very spiritual undercurrent, which I loved because it's not just practical, but it's very practical as well. So what inspired you to write this book and who would you say that it's for? Well, I, I think that the reason I wanted to write it really came from two places. One, this is the number one question I've been asked in the last 10 years of, of speaking and teaching and writing. How do you balance it all? How do you balance it all? I'm asked it by men and women, those that have kids and those that don't, those that have businesses and those that don't have businesses. And so it just, you know, I'm, I'm a, I don't know, I pay attention to my world around me and I pay attention to my market and what they're saying. And just the, the overwhelming commonality in this question, let me know, this is a major problem for people. And what's interesting is when we talk about it, you know, we have all these analogies like juggling balls and spinning plates and walking the tightrope. And, and then we'll hear people, you know, I've read when I've done research, they have alternatives to work-life balance. So it's, uh, it's, it's life, it's work-life integration, it's work-life harmony, it's work, work-life cycle. That's great. That didn't help me at all. You know, like it's a nice alternative word, but I still feel really overwhelmed in my life. And so um, partly it came from paying attention to what people were asking me and going, wow, this is a major pain point for people. Partly it came from my own needs. I have had three kids in six years. I am, you know, I work outside the home in addition to, um, trying to be as present for my kids as I, as I can. Um, and my husband works as well. And then, you know, even more, I have a lot of interests as, as well. I travel and, and have a lot of interests, but then also, uh, even just this summer, or like we're talking real time. I've started seminary. And so when you have a lot of interest and you have a lot of irons in the fire, it is that much more important that you learn how to manage your time. But what I found is this topic of balance 
is actually not just about time management. It's about so much more than that because we can juggle all the balls, spin all the plates, walk the tightrope, perfectly manage our calendar and still feel like something's not right. Yes. We can still feel out of balance. And what I've found is that we don't know what balance is. We just know we don't have it. So it becomes this shadow that haunts us, that something's always wrong. We're not doing enough. We need to wake up earlier, stay up later, run harder and faster in between. We just need to be more efficient. We just need to be more productive. We just need to micromanage. We just need to multitask. And we're just so tired, Jamie. We try all that. And all we end up is more tired, not more balanced. And so it led me to realize that I think we're asking the wrong question. I think we actually don't want this perfect equilibrium and how we spend our time. I don't think life balance comes from an equal 50-50 split. I don't think it comes from doing everything for an equal amount of time like we have in our heads every day is gonna be. Instead, I think it's actually more simple than that. I think life balance comes from doing the right things at the right time. And you get to decide what's right for you. But when you do the right things at the right time, you actually feel balanced. You feel that balance you've been looking for all along and it looks a lot more like, you're confident in your choices. You're proud of how you spend your time. You shake the guilt that's been nagging at you and you actually enjoy your life. And I think that that's what we're really after. When we say we want balance, I think we really want that confidence in our choices, being proud of how we spend our time, shaking the guilt and enjoying our life. And, and so I don't think this issue that we're talking about is just a calendar issue. I think it's about enjoying the life that the calendar represents. And I want to help people do that. I love that. And I, I, as I read, and it's funny because when I received your book and and started reading it, it was at a time when I had really just been, I'd really just been asking God, what, what's wrong with me? You know, and I've done this many times where just why, why can't I get the basic things done? Why am I always like searching for this? like the golden ring that, that can never be gotten, you know, it just keeps getting farther and farther away. That is balance. And, and, you know, just reading your book, there were so many things that hit home and we don't have time to talk about all of them, which that means that our listeners are going to have to get your book. And I really recommend it. Um, But could you just kind of briefly tell us the five steps to taking back your time, kind of what those are in a nutshell, just so people know what to expect. Absolutely. So The thesis of the whole book is what I just said. Life balance is doing the right things at the right time. And when you do that, you feel that sense of balance you've been looking for. So you can be balanced and still be busy. You can be balanced in an out of balance world. And that's good news. That's actually a message of freedom. This is not a book of how to do more and be more productive. It's actually a a message that's going to set you free. And and that's going to lead to the balance you've been looking for. So the next question, of course, is, well, how do you do that? Well, because this is a topic that is so elusive and theoretical. I wanted to make it super tactical. I wanted to boil it down into five actionable steps, follow these steps, and you will, you will be creating your version of balance. So I'll, I'll give you a quick overview of the five steps to balance. Step one, decide what matters. So if you're going to do the right things at the right time, you need to know what the right things are and you get to decide what's right for you specifically, even in this season. And you know, this Jamie from, from reading the book, but at the end of the book, I talk about seasons and And your season will determine what matters to you. So take into consideration, hey, what season of life am I in? What are the demands on me from my family to my work 
to even the seasonality. Like what's important to me right now in the fall, launching a book is so different than what was important to me in July when I was going to the lake and taking Fridays off. So think about the season you're in and decide what matters, what's right right now, what's most important right now in this season. So first, first step is just to decide what matters. Step two, stop doing what doesn't matter. And I really teach you how to discern what those things are. Now, we all know we all spend too much time on social media. We all spend so much time on our phone, but there's other time traps. There's other things that are stealing our time and we don't realize it. And so I'm going to help you identify what are those things for you so that you can be aware of them and cut them out. And you'll find when you cut out stuff that doesn't matter to you, you open up so much room for things that do those things that you identified in step one. So step one is decide what matters. Step two, stop doing what doesn't matter. Step three, very tactical create a calendar that reflects what matters. We live by our calendars, but then we're shocked when things we care about don't happen, but we don't put them on our calendar. We don't put the things we value the most, the things we say are so important to us on the system we've chosen to live our lives by. So whether it is a date night, alone time, reading a good book, cleaning the living room, uh, going to bed early, put it on your calendar. This is not restrictive. It's actually the system you're already using that you're not making work for you. So you can put all of these things on your calendar. When you put them on your calendar, they're that much more likely to happen. And they're, they're going to they're gonna block that time so that other things don't creep in. Um, then step four is to protect what matters. And that's all about boundaries, saying no and protecting what matters most to you. And then step five might be my favorite. And that is be present for what matters. Because even if you create the most perfect schedule in the world, if you're not present for it, you miss it. And so I show you how to resist the temptation to have your thoughts wander and your mind wander and bring it back to what's happening in front of you, where you can truly be where your feet are. And what you'll find is when you do that, which it does take practice, but when you do that, you not only get to experience a moment while it's happening, you even enjoy it more. And research shows that you're happier overall. So decide what matters, stop doing what doesn't matter create a calendar that reflects what matters, protect what matters and be present for what matters. And when you follow this path in any new season, then you will be doing the right things at the right time. And you will feel that balance you've been looking for. Yeah. And that was my favorite step. Also the being present for what matters, because that was something that I was missing because I think what I through reading the book kind of came to realize, and I think I had a hint of it, but I didn't know how to put it into words. I think that's what this book did. It put into words so many things that I had an idea of, but I couldn't verbalize them and, and, you know, sort of like distill them down. And I just had this feeling that, you know, even when I was doing all the things and checking the boxes, I still felt out of balance. And it's when you become present and, you know, I think so much of my own life and many people probably just in our busy, busy lives, you know, modern busy lives, we're always thinking to the next thing, or we're thinking back to what we should have done, or am I forgetting something? And it's so, you know, you're never present for the task. And for me personally, in the season of life I'm in, it's my kids, you know, I've got 15, 10 and seven year old. And I'm even when I had them for however long home during COVID, there were so many times that I wasn't present in those moments. And so I look back and I think, did I, you know, I missed out on those things. And so when I've started to try and put into practice that being present, being 
in the moment and really looking my kids in the eyes and slowing down. It's amazing what satisfaction you get back. And so it's not just a series of checklists that you, you know, and, and it's like that for everything. It's like that for the podcast or ministry or church or family or whatever it is. Um, and that was, I, I loved that step and the way that you explained it. It was very um, eye-opening for well, sure. Thank you. It's a reminder. I think we all need because you have, a, we live in a world that wants us to be anything but present. So yeah. if we're going to live in this world with the nature of technology, connectiveness, expectations, standards, pressure, all the things, we're going to have to be intentional to be present because to your point, we're going to miss our entire lives if we're not careful. And we didn't mean to. No one set out to miss their entire life. But because of the nature of the world we live in, the pull is so strong towards that, towards distraction, towards um, dividing your attention, towards scrolling social media instead of being where your feet are. And so that's why I think that um, just having the awareness, but then the the practical habits we can create to reinforce it, we're going to need that if we're going to be able to resist that pressure. Yeah. Another thing that really resonated with me is, you know, it kind of, I think it went along the lines of deciding what's important. I think it was in the first chapter and you talked and you spoke about it several times in the book though. Your goal, one of the things that's important to you is having a mostly clean house. Can you talk <laughs> about that and what that looks like for you and what choices you've made? Because I think so many times we think the house has to be perfect all the time in every season. The such and such needs to get done all the time in every season. And so can you just tell, there was so much freedom in how you explained your philosophy. Yes. Well, you know, it's interesting that I found, and I think I do this. I think a lot of people do it. But, you know, in anything, we have to make choices about what we say yes to and what we say no to. And I don't just mean outside commitments. I mean, within our house, what are we going to, what are we going to work on to clean and what are we just going to let it go? And our problem, one of our problems, kind of like what we were talking about a minute ago with being present is we focus on the no. We focus on the things we didn't get to in our to-do list. We think we focus on the things we aren't showing up for on our calendar. And we're focusing on the aspects of our house that are not clean. No one is walking through their home with a spotless living room and the, and the rest of the house being a mess and going, I am amazing. Look at my clean living room. I am rocking it in the living room department. No one does that. <laughs> we focus on what we're not doing. We focus on where we're falling short, where we're failing. And we come up with this narrative that we're failing. We feel guilty. And so what's interesting is I have started to shift my perspective from my no's to my yeses. Now, here's what I mean by that. Instead of focusing on what I'm not doing, like, for example, right now, I'm not with my kids. What time is it? They're about to get out of school and they're about to go to swim lessons. Now, I could think about that and I could be like, oh, I'm such a bad mom. It's their first day of swim lessons. Are they okay? Today? Or I could be here with you, Jamie, and doing what we're doing, which is having this great conversation that's hopefully giving hope to people. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Same thing with your house. So I've realized that I cannot have my whole house clean at one time. Unless I send my children away to boarding school and I bring in a team to help me, this is just not reality, okay? I could clean around the clock, but that's not how I want to spend my life. So I've distilled it down to what do I want to fight for? What do I want to let go? I love this analogy though, because it, it's not just a house analogy. It could be used for anything. Right. I've realized three rooms are very important to me. The kitchen, 
the living room, and my bedroom. I spend the majority of my time in those rooms and I work really hard for those rooms to be clean. I do value a clean house. Like I know a lot of women do. It's not just that we're Monica from Friends. We just want a, a place of rest and refuge that is somewhat sane in an insane world. So I, I think our desire to want this is okay and good and normal. But I, I, if I can't have it all clean, let me pick the rooms I'm going to fight for. Well, those are the three rooms. The other rooms, such as the bonus room, the kids' rooms, or maybe even the deck, because they have a lot of, we've got a deck box where they have um, toys, the outside toys that they keep out there. Those are the rooms that I'm going to let go. Those are the rooms that have toys. Those are the rooms that my kids play in the most. Those are the rooms that are going to be the biggest mess because they are my kids' play area. Now, simply deciding what I'm going to fight for, kitchen, living room, and my room, and what to let go, playroom, kids' rooms, and deck, has given me incredible freedom because now I have got more realistic expectations for what I can keep clean. And then when I walk in the bonus room, and this is key for everyone listening right now, Mm -hmm. when I walk in the playroom and it's a mess, I no longer look at that and think I need to clean this up. I'm a bad mom. My house is a mess. I'm a mess. I'm failing. I look at that and see that as a choice I made. I actually chose that. No, I chose that mess because that mess represents time better spent somewhere else. Instead of neurotically cleaning up behind my kids in every square inch of the house, I'm going to actually spend my evenings playing with my kids and making memories. It doesn't mean I'm going to totally neglect my desire for a clean house. I do have that, but I'm going to channel that desire and channel that focus within realistic expectations of how much time I'm willing to commit to this thing. But one of the dangerous things I think women, women do is we have this idea. I'll have fun when it's all done. I'll rest when it's all done and it's never done. You know it. I know it. Everyone listening knows it. And so you are missing enjoying your life because you're waiting until it's all done until you enjoy your life, enjoy your kids, have fun or rest. And that day never comes. And so you've got to decide today, what are you going to fight for? What are the things that you can say? These are important. I'm going to fight for them. Those are my yeses, the clean kitchen in my example. And what are the no's? What are the things I'm going to let go? What are the things I'm not going to feel bad about? I'm actually going to choose it because it represents time better spent somewhere else. And so I think um, if we can shift our focus from the negative to the positive, from the no to the yes, what does that no allow me to say yes to? So that dirty bonus room allows me to say yes to playing with my kids in the evening. And that is a choice I'm willing to make. Yeah. And just own it. And I love it. It, that, that simple mind shift is, is huge. That is just huge. Yeah. I love it. Well, our last question that I wanted to ask you is what role does prayer play in this whole process? Because in a way it's a practical process, but throughout the book, you talk so much about the importance of faith, the importance of God's direction, sit with this with God. Do you think it's just kind of like, do this all make these decisions and lists and calendars with an undercurrent of prayer, or are there specific steps where you think it's important to go into prayerfully more so than others? And and what does that look like for you? Well, I'll tell you one of the biggest challenges I think women have um, when it comes to deciding what's important, those types of things is um, I, I wanted to, them to consider themselves like, like what's important to you? What do you want? What do you need in this season? And we women have so trained ourselves to not consider ourselves at all. And so we move to the background 
in our own life. We move to the back of the line in our own life. And so I say to someone, I say to my reader, what do you want for this season? What matters to you in this season? And they don't even know, Jamie, because they've never stopped to even consider what they want. And I don't mean this from a selfish or even self-care perspective. I mean it from like you feeling like you have a say in your own life. Like what matters to you? What do you, what do you, what, what do you see this looking, the season looking like? Well, in the very front of the book, we always put a scripture on the title page of the book. And so the team, the publishing team came to me and said, what scripture do you want? And I instantly knew which scripture I wanted on that title page. It is a scripture that's been at the bottom of my personal emails for over a decade. And it's one that is this um, encouragement to women feeling like, I don't even know what I want. I don't even know what I need in this season. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know what's right, what's yes, what's no. I don't know. And that's Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now we know that means that he's not just a, a Coke machine where you put the quarter in and get what you want. But we do know that as you seek him, he will show you what you want. I, I want things today, Jamie, that I, if you would have told me a year ago that I would be in seminary right now, I would have absolutely laughed at you. This was not my idea. I didn't even know that I wanted that. And I think even when God told me to do it, I still didn't want it. (laughs) I think maybe at different points throughout this, I still don't want it. But I'm learning. I'm learning what God wants for me. And in obedience, I'm learning, oh, I actually want those things for myself. I just didn't know it. Because your creator, God, knows you better than you do. He created your heart. So he knows your heart's desires better than you do. So if you're not sure what you want for your season, for your week, for your day, for your family, for your life, ask him, ask him, delight in him and seek him. And he will show you what you want. He will show you who you are in him and what he has for you. And it may be something that is better than you could ever ask for. Imagine it may be something that throws you back on your heels and you go, Oh my gosh, I never saw that coming. That was me. When he told me to go to seminary, I was like, I'm not, I'm not this super academic Bible scholar. You, you got, you know, I argued for a while. That's my MO. But he will show you, he will show you what you want. And there's something beautiful in the connection we have with God as he draws out our desires and fans that flame for things that are bigger and better and crazier and riskier than we could have ever asked or imagined. And then he asks us to trust him with those things. And so I think seeking him is not just the foundation. It is the lens that we view everything we do through. We, we need plans though. We need to be good stewards of our time. But it's all through the lens that God will direct those plans. He might call you to change those plans. And he might put someone in your path that causes you to drop those plans altogether and be open to what his spirit is doing. But it doesn't mean, it does not mean for all my church people out there, it does not mean that we're just going to float through life and hope that the angel Gabriel appears in our living room on a Monday morning to tell us how to manage our week. We're still going to be good stewards. We're still Mm going to manage our calendar. We're still going to have a plan with God's direction and then hold it with open hands, being willing to change it as he leads you. But you're going to need both. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's a great segue into living true 40 days to get back to you. I think that this devotional um, would really go hand in hand with this process because this is a 40 day, you know, just like it says, 40 days to get back to you. It's a very... Um, I went into it expecting that it would be a, you know, just kind of devotional with a little blurb here and a scripture and some points, but it's deeply personal. You share these stories where I couldn't just read one a day. I kept reading. Everybody says that. I couldn't (laughs) stop. 
He's like, I just kept reading. <laughs> I loved it. You That's did awesome. a great job with it. And it's just so, it, it's really very, a, a very um, personally written devotional and just um, what really quickly, I know we're running out of time, but so who did you write this for? And what were you, what would you hope someone would, would gain from going through this 40 days? Well, I wrote it for women that feel like they've lost themselves Yeah, because I have felt that. And that is a phrase I have heard women say my entire adult life. I feel like I've lost myself. Now you might lose yourself in motherhood. That's very easy to lose yourself. You might lose yourself in your career and that's very easy. You get consumed with building your career or whatever. And you might lose yourself in a really hard season of life where you're dealing with a health issue or a parent you're trying to take care of. And you literally are so consumed with that season and the demands it has on you that you look up and you don't even know who you are anymore. And so that phrase, I feel like I've lost myself. I just need to get back to me. That was the heartbeat of this devotional because I, I really, I wanted that for myself because I've experienced that, but I also have heard women say that again and again and again. And so I I remember when I wrote this, it was 2016 and no, I'm sorry, 2019. And I sat on a plane and I I had pitched this idea to my publishing department here. And they said, okay, well, give us an outline. Like, what would you say? What would this devotional be about? I was like, right, let me go work on that. (laughs) And so I, I sat on this plane and I was pregnant with my daughter, Mary Grace at the time. And I put the tray table down and it, it, it propped up over my big belly, you know, yeah. And so I opened up my computer and I just had a Microsoft Word document. And I just prayed. And I was like, Lord, I want to help women get back to themselves. How do they do that? How do women get back to themselves? And I literally typed out four things. I felt God say, you need to know four things. Number one, you need to know who God is. Number two, you need to know who you are. Number three, you need to know where you are, like your season. And number four, you need to know where you're going. When you know these four things, specifically in that order, by the way, first, starting with the God that created you, who he is, who you are, where you are and where you're going. When you follow that and you reset and refocus on the truths of that, that he gives you in his word, then you will get back to you. And so it it became a very powerful and personal journey of writing it. And I really do feel like it is something that at the end of it, you go, I feel like I have reset on the truth of who God is and what he says about me and who I am in him. That's great. Well, where can our listeners find these books and connect with you online? Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Thanks for what you do for being such a light in this world and spreading hope. Uh, to, I know so many people that need it. Um, you can get either of the books anywhere books are sold, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all that. And then christywright.com. You can learn more about um, the books or me or, you know, follow me on social or any of that good stuff at christywright.com. All right. Where do you like to hang out on social Instagram. Media? Instagram's Instagram probably the, the number one for me. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll link to all that so people can find you and I'm going to just close us in prayer. How can we pray for you today? Thank you. I would pray specifically for energy. I'm just in a season of exhausting little kids and exhausting yes. book stuff and it's all good stuff, but energy would be great. Thank you. All right. Well, Christy, thank you so much for being here and taking time out of your day to share your message. I can't wait for our listeners to read these books because they are life-changing. Thank you. God, we just thank you so much for this time with Christy. And we just praise you for being the God of our time. Our times are in your hands and, and we just lift up 
our schedules, our agendas to you now and pray that you would take them and have your way with them. We lift Christy up to you today, God, and we just pray that you would just pour out energy on her and in her and through her. Um, we know that you have called her to all of these amazing things, to motherhood, to being a wife, to being an author and a speaker. And uh, we just, we pray that you would equip her with every single thing that she needs, whether that's time to rest, whether that's help, whether that's just extra energy to be able to do all the things. Um, and I just pray that, that she would feel that and sense that. And we pray that when she has times of, of feeling low in energy or feeling down or having those down times, that you would just raise up people around her to lift her up, whether it's in prayer, whether it's just giving her a hand or encouraging her in some way or giving her a God wink, just that, that reminder that you are in all of these things that she's doing and, and the fruit is coming no matter uh, how invisible um, the fruit seems to be right now when, when we're in seasons of sowing and just putting all of the work in that, that fruit will come. We just pray your blessing over her ministry, over her writing, over her home, over her marriage and over her children. And, and just pray that you would do immeasurably more than, than she could ever ask or imagine through her and in her and, and in the people that she loves and, and through these amazing books, God, we pray they would go out and bless so many women that salvations would happen, that revolutionizing the way that women see their time would happen, that people would draw close to you and become closer to you in, in prayer and in partnering with you to, to create their schedules through these books. Um, thank you, God, for Christy. Thank you for anointing her for the ministries and, and the jobs and the tasks that you've placed in her hands. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show. And we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.